Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1 to 7. I'm going to begin by reading, and then uh, we'll pray, and then we'll just get into the message. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence uh, to the naive, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and the riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would humble us and allow us to be wise, not in our own eyes, but in your eyes, according to scripture, where we are very tempted in our day and age to uh, think that our opinions matter. In reality, it doesn't. The only thing that matters the most is your word. And may we be faithful uh, to study, to meditate, and to apply your word into our lives. Uh, be with us now. Give us attentive uh, hearts um, to know your word. And um, may we learn to worship you better because of it. Thank you for the time that we have. I pray these things in your son's name. Amen. One of the things that I find both hilarious, disturbing, and at times disgusting on social media is this one hashtag. It's called hashtag adulting. Um, I think I've, ta- I've shared this with some of you before. I find it hilarious uh, because it's usually people that um, that just say like, okay, I'm an adult now, just basically doing things that normal adults would do. And um, and what is strange is oftentimes these people that put it on their social media, I don't know if any of you guys are doing it, I'm not following you in that sense, um, but if you are, my bad. Um, so anyways, what's strange about this is that some of the people that put these hashtags on their social media has been legally adult for a while. Uh, they've, they've been, uh, they've, they are an adult. Uh, it's just that they finally realize that they can do a adult things. And some of, them, some of them, I guess, is legitimate. It's like getting a driver's license, find, landing your first job, buying a home. These things are great achievements in life. And there, but there are those that are not so much. You know, learning how to cook an egg in your mid-20s for the very first time, uh, finally doing your own laundry, uh, paying bills and taxes. And it's, by the way, taxes due next week. So, you know, just FYI, hashtag adulting. Um, and some things a person, uh, when they reach a certain age or certain life stage, then they are adulting. They are finally an adult. I think I also share this with some of you when I was on a short-term, minis- short-term missions trip to Hong Kong once. Uh, there was, we had those roll sheets and uh, we were you know, ministering to all these little kids, uh, high school and middle school kids. And one of the kids was actually a, a, a guy in his mid-30s. And uh our missionary friend was like, this is, this kid is not a kid. He's an adult. He's a man. He's in his mid thirties. And the parents said, well, that's only because you're an American. You're thinking in American terms uh, because in America, we think when you pass 18, then you're an adult. But in the Chinese culture, it's, it's it tends to be when you are uh, married, then you're an adult. So in a lot of ways, a lot of you are still children. So I guess you could enjoy your youth, if you like. Um, but at the same time, does marriage make you an adult? I've seen and met a lot of immature couples and, um, you know, couple and spouses that are ungodly. So that 
that means that this marriage status is not what makes a person an adult. So if it's not age, status, or what you do in life, then what makes an adult? If I ask you that question, what makes an adult, how would you answer that question? How would you define what it means to be an adult? What makes a person considered a grown-up? Uh, the Bible speaks in terms of being mature as it relates to a wise person. And there is a connection between those that are wise and those that are mature. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11 says, When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. Um, does that mean that, what does that mean? Does that mean there are certain things that uh, you can't do? Uh, there's, uh, yeah, there are certain things that the way that you think, it's not so much the, the thing that you do, but more like how you process life. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 11 says this, it is by his deeds that a lad or young man distinguishes himself if his conduct is pure and right. So both Proverbs and 1 Corinthians explain that a person is not necessarily based on their status, but how they manage life, how they think through life. That's what makes a person an adult. A person can have all of these things like a job, a house, a marriage, a high social standing or success in life, but yet still be considered a fool. At the same time, someone may not have these things like marriage or a job or high standing society, but yet they, are, they can still be considered incredibly wise. Of all of the things in life that we want to increase in terms of volume in our life, biblical wisdom is one of them. Wisdom is worth your time and effort. Wisdom should be something that all Christians want because it helps us navigate through life to its fullest while living in a fallen world. Now, I want to say, for the sake of clarity, that I'm going to use certain terms that might be interchangeable throughout this sermon and maybe and even next week's sermon. I'm going to use terms like fool, immature, childish, and sinfulness as in one category, and that's the fool. And uh, I'll use wise, mature, adult, and godly in the other category uh, as the wise. And the reason why I'm doing this is because the book of Proverbs does it. Uh, Proverbs often links foolishness to sinfulness and childishness, while wisdom is often connected to godliness and maturity. Scripture speaks of wisdom as a moral endeavor of your thinking. As I said, oftentimes a fool is often linked to some sort of sin, whether it is sexual sin, whether it's lying, slander, laziness, or whatever it is, is often connected to the fool. This, this is why the world uh, when I, a few weeks ago, when I made the announcement to the Proverbs, I said that we live in a world that's filled with foolishness. What makes a world filled with foolishness is first and foremost that they don't fear the Lord and the way that they live is, is in sin. That's why the world is filled with fools because they are living without God and it's evident by the way they live their life. A wise person, a wise and mature believer strives to stay away from sin, strives for holiness. Worldly wisdom focuses on self and oftentimes that leads to sin, while godly wisdom focuses on God and his righteousness. You must have these categories in your mind if you want to be a diligent student of the book of Proverbs. If you want to be wise, you must be far from sin. You must be close to God and far from sin. If you want to be a fool, then keep your distance from the Lord and do sinful things. Uh, I think oftentimes when we think of the word fool, we think of someone that it's, it's like dumb or making a, or, or something that makes a lot of mistakes or clumsy or, or makes a whole bunch of blunders. Uh, while the word foolishness does have that, um, it's often, uh, uh, when, uh, it's often 
terms of someone that doesn't know how they are to act. And again, that's part of it, but that actually sounds more like someone that's naive, right? Someone that makes a blunder all the time. They might just be naive. They're not necessarily, they may not necessarily be foolish. Someone that's naive may be innocent in making certain mistakes, but a fool is someone that actively pursued dumb things that often are linked to sin. So when you think about the word fool, you must have that in your category. Don't think in terms of just blunders and mistakes. Think of someone that is um, morally bankrupt, someone that's constantly pursuing sin. Um, things that are, uh, are wise, on the other hand, is, is good because our God is wise. Um, Paul in the New Testament called the Galatians foolish Galatians because they turned away from the true gospel to a false gospel, which is a sin. So it is with you. If you are foolish, that means you're living a life of sin. You must take the job of pursuing wisdom just as serious as you pursue Christ-likeness because they are one and the same. Wisdom is something that you can grow in and you aren't born with wisdom. A person can be intelligent, but can be foolish. A person can not be as smart, but still be wise. And we are born, we're all born without wisdom. We're born foolish, childish, and immature. In a lot of ways, Proverbs helps us understand how to keep us safe from ourselves. The book of Proverbs is given to us so that we can grow in our knowledge of the Lord and how to live in this fallen world. There's a phrase that we're all familiar with. It's, you are what you eat. I always think that's funny because, you know, if I was a vegetable, then does that, if eating vegetables, does that mean I eat a lot of vegetables? Or if I'm a pizza, does that mean I eat a lot of pizza? Uh, we understand what that term means. What you consume is what the outcome is going to be. In the same way, if you consume wisdom, if you digest it, then the outcome is that you will become a wise person. Some of us, uh, we like to taste wisdom. And uh, in, in that, what I mean by that is that we like to listen to sermons. We like to read about things. But if we don't really digest it, we are the same as some who've just like, read or we're no different than what we were before we read or listened to the, 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 the book of Proverbs. One time when Kelly and I were in LA, uh, when we were still living in LA, uh, we were invited to um, do these little coffee tasting thing. I'm not too familiar with coffee, but they did the same like you had these little cups, you have to sip it and you have to sip like the top layer or something. And I did not have that type of discernment or, or palate, but Kelly did. She was like, oh yeah, this is like this, it's more bitter, this is more smooth. I'm just like, okay, they all taste the same to me. Um, but even though we're test tasting these things, it wasn't enough to actually give us like a caffeine boost or anything like that. Uh, we're just tasting it. In the same way, if you hear God's words preach or you read it on your own and you aren't thinking about how you apply it to your life, you're simply tasting wisdom without God's word actually having an impact in your life. In our context, especially in a church like this, um, where we teach the Bible regularly and in a place where we're relatively safe from false teachers, uh, we like tasting the theology and doctrine without actually digesting it, uh, which results in us being stunted in our spiritual growth. Uh, why are there some people in the church that's been there for so long, but yet still seem so immature? It's because they're not digesting the things that they hear. They, they taste it, but they aren't digesting it. You need to ask yourself that same question. Are you digesting God's word? And by that, I mean, are you meditating it? Are you, are you, are you thinking through how to apply this into your life? Tasting God's word won't produce sanctification. You need to go beyond simply tasting the word of God or just listening to God's word. You need to meditate on it. 
the meditation of scripture is the digesting part of our spiritual diet. You need to think about how God's word applies to you and your context in whatever situation that you're in. And when you, you apply God's word brightly in your life, that's called maturity and that's called sanctification. You're now wiser because of it. Proverb is a hard book to study because it actually forces you to think. You actually have to think about how this applies in your setting in order to grow up. And this is where the hard work truly is. Proverbs, it's a really easy book to read, but it is a very hard book to master. You need to constantly be thinking and meditating over and over again and how to apply it into your life. And maturity is an awareness of your own life. You're aware of how other people perceive you, mainly how the Lord perceives you. You're saying how, how, uh, how you have the right understanding of who you are and you understand how other people perceive you. Maturity is actually someone that understands their own limitations and wants to seek to correct or to improve upon it. A wise person then is someone that first and foremost knows how little they know. Pursuing wisdom is a, a lifelong pursuit because life is complicated and it always changes. A wise person wants to honor the Lord in the midst of a world that is unsteady. The mature believer understands their surroundings and know how to interact and engage it. A lack of maturity is someone that lacks the ability to be aware of what's going on around them. Yet a wise believer understands where they need to grow in spiritually. Maturity is having an awareness that you need to work on things in your walk with the Lord. So ask yourself, what are you working on? Spiritually, what are some things that you're working on this week or this past week? Proverb is a tool to help you figure out how to live life. These are general principles in life, and these are generally true. If you look, if you know this book and you apply it, the, the, the outcome is generally positive. And I say generally because some things in the book of Proverbs will not apply to you. Proverbs are like Proverbs because they are generally true statements based on specific circumstances. If we understand that not every proverb in scripture in life will apply, where we'll have the same outcome um, as, as you might expect. And what does that mean? So for example, this is, uh, I think one of those common verses where people will say, oh, see contradictions in the Bible. Proverbs 26, verse four says that, do not answer a fool according to his folly or you'll be like him. So that's a simple understanding of Proverbs. Don't, don't answer a fool or you'll you know, become like him. But the next verse, it reads, answer full as his folly deserves. He will not be wise in his own eyes. So one is telling you to don't answer full, and another one said answer full. So which is it? Well, it depends on the circumstance. It depends on uh, uh, what's going on in your life. Both of them are true. Uh, both of them may apply, but both of them apply in different circumstances. And we understand even in our life, in, in, in secular uh, proverbs, we have the same thing, right? Like. Um, opposites attract right we know we've heard this opposites attract but at the same time birds of the same feather flock together right how can both are they both true yes actually kel and i were talking about this one a few days ago we we're like oh we're so different uh i'm like more outgoing she's more quiet but at the same time are we different is that why we're attracting each other or are we the same because we're both like you know chinese or whatever uh i don't know it could be both in certain circumstances is one or the other or um, haste makes waste. Uh, the opposite of that is the early bird gets the worm. So what am I supposed to do? Am I, should I go wake up early and get and, and you know get the worm and, and, and be disciplined in my life, or should I 
slow down because haste make, makes waste. Um, which is it? Well, again, both. It just depends on the circumstance that you're in. Uh, one more. Um, uh, out of sight, out of mind, right? We've heard that we, you know, usually in terms of friends, but at the same time, there's one like when when people are uh, are away, your heart gets more fonder. Again, which is it? Is both depending on your circumstance, and that's important to understand when you're studying through the Book of Proverbs. Proverbs is just a book of general principles uh, that applies to, to your life. It's it's generally true depending on the circumstances. In a lot of ways, Proverbs is like the two extremes. And Ecclesiastes is like the exceptions. Proverbs talks about how when you work hard, you'll make money. Ecclesiastes, no, not always. You can be, you can be lazy and still get money. Uh, and that, that tells you that the Bible has a, it does have everything pertaining to life of godliness. It shows you every aspect of your life. These principles, again, are generally true depending on the circumstances. Now I argue that both, whether it's a biblical or secular Proverbs, they operate the same way. Uh, some people hold on to certain proverbs in their mind and think that that's the, that's that's it. That's how it is always going to be, and it's only right on certain circumstances. So that means that an, an, an immature believer focuses on a set of rules, while a mature believer focuses on how to use principles. An immature believer needs steps, and mature believers operates off principles. That's what proverb does. It has all these principles and this forces you to think how to apply it to your life. When, when I was at Grace Church and I was serving at the college and career ministry, the top two questions I get asked the most is, how do I get that person to date me? And oftentimes I ask, like, okay, so what do you do? What do you do? What, what have you done so far? And they'll list, like, you know, list 15 different things that they're doing. Like, oh, uh, um, I, 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 need, I need a discipler and I need this, I need that. I've done, I have all of these things. And, and, and I still can't get the person uh, to go out with me. And I would ask them, like, okay, does this person even know who you are? And they're like, maybe. It's like, okay, maybe we'll start, we should start there. Maybe you should know their name. They should know that you exist. And you should build a relationship with them. And usually it frustrates individuals when I give more principles as opposed to steps. Because they think steps is what uh, will guarantee a certain result. But in reality, it doesn't work that way. It may work for some people, it may, but it may not work for you. A wise person knows how to use principles to navigate through life. A mature believer knows that life works off principles, knowing that the principles will give the best outcome, but it's not, the certain, it's not a certain outcome. It just gives the best outcome. While an immature believer works off a list of rules expecting a definitive outcome, and it doesn't work out. And then when it doesn't work out, it frustrates people. So uh, with that said, this is all introduction. This last 20 minutes is all introduction. Um, as we get into the text, we're going to look at this uh, three things about Proverbs, about what the book of Proverbs is like. First, we're going to see the author of Proverbs in verse 1. Notice verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Solomon wrote this book. Solomon is the one, who, uh, Solomon is the one that has the ability to lead a wise life. Yet we know, like, we even know from First Kings that he's someone that God has interacted with. And he asked him what he wanted. And he said that he wanted um, let me actually turn to First Kings chapter three, verse nine. It says that uh, so give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? <clears throat> I think a, a common misconception is that like somehow 
uh, God, uh, Solomon asked God to like plug into his brain and load up all this wisdom. But that's actually not what he asked for. What he asked for was discernment, the ability to know right and wrong, the ability to, to, um, to distinguish if this is a moral thing or immoral thing, or the ability to discern if this is what's pleasing to the Lord or not. He wanted to, the ability to look at a situation and know which route to take. Psalm understand that all understanding, all wisdom, all knowledge stems from God, and it must point back to God. For a while during Solomon's prime, he didn't comp he didn't compartmentalize who God is. Uh, he, his life was a reflection of who, how what God expects of him. All that Solomon did was from God, and Solomon did all they did for God's glory. This means for us what we do in our lives, how we are to think about how we are to honor the Lord. It must be a reflection of our God. It must reflect who he is, or it must reflect who Jesus is. Jesus is God, so it must reflect him. This is why scripture tells us to have the mind of Christ. It is to think and conform your thoughts and desires to that of the Lord. And for a while, Solomon did exactly just that. Solomon became the best king of Israel. Uh, everyone from all over the world wanted to sit under his teaching. <clears throat> And this book of Proverbs is that opportunity for us to sit under the courts, sit in the court of Solomon and, and hear um, from the second wisest man in all of history, the first being Jesus Christ. Proverbs written by a king is written for a king. He wrote this book to his son with the intent of teaching him things to become a good king. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1, my son. Chapter 3, verse 1, my son. Chapter Four, verse one, hear, O sons, the instructions of the Father. Chapter five, verse one, my son, give attention to my wisdom. Chapter six, my son, if you have become a surety of your neighbor. And over and over again, Solomon is trying to teach his son what it takes to be a good king. Solomon's hope in writing this for his son is what it takes to be a godly king. And if it is good for a king, then it's good for us non-royal, normal people. The sad hypocrisy and irony of this book is that both Solomon and his son failed to live up to this. They, Solomon failed to live it up, and so did his son. This book begins by saying what it takes to rule uh, faithfully, and it, in the end, Proverbs 31 actually tells you, uh, instructs a person how to find a good wife. And we know that Solomon failed in this area. It's because of his love for all these foreign women that turned his heart away from the Lord. Rehoboam is no different. Both Solomon and Rehoboam fail to do what is written in scripture. So we need to not be like Solomon in that way or Rehoboam. We want to be, uh, we want to be Solomon at his prime and keep that way for the rest of our life. So let's be wise and, and apply this to our lives. So that's the author of Proverbs. That's the person who wrote Proverbs. Next, this middle section, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, 6, is the purpose of Proverbs. Uh, the purpose of this book, verse two, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding. Wisdom and instruction, this is based on your character. It takes time and effort to develop what you, uh, to develop your character. And as, stated, as I stated earlier, we are all born as fools. It takes humility and wisdom to acknowledge that we need to grow more in wisdom. And this is why a prideful person uh, will always appear to have the same level of knowledge and spiritual maturity. A person can be in a church for a long time, but yet due to his own pride, uh, they don't grow. They are, in, in essence, their own stumbling block. Humility 
breaks someone from being spiritually uh, dormant. Being a wise Christian, being a wise person, then it's not something that's easily acquired, but it's worth every ounce of your effort. Wisdom cannot be divorced from instruction. Wisdom is the appropriate application of instructions. If you know what God expects of you, you will know how to faithfully live out his word. That's called wisdom. Solomon hears, uh, Solomon here wants his son to know how to apply knowledge um, and also know knowledge itself. Uh, the end of verse 2 tells us to discern the sayings of understanding. Uh, we talk about this a little bit when we get to verse 6. But this is saying that you need to be able to not just hear what someone has to say, but understand what they mean by what they say. Uh, the book of Proverbs, if applied rightly in your own life, will allow you to be able to know how to think and how to act. When someone gives you instructions, you'll understand how it is relevant to you and how to apply it to your life. You'll be able to discern the things, um, the things of wise sayings. Verse 3. To receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. Um, this is a key understanding of life that wisdom does not come from within. Um, wisdom doesn't come from within; it's, it's outside of you. As I said earlier, that we are all born foolish. We're all born unwa uh, unwise. In James chapter one, verse twenty-one. It reads: Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness and humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save. Again, this is something that uh, tells us that the word has to be put into us. We were, uh, we we're not born knowing everything. We're not born knowing how to act and how to behave. Uh, they start needing, uh, all of us start by needing to think beyond ourselves. You want to operate in this world, you need to understand that all, all wisdom comes outside of you. You can't acquire wisdom from, in, from looking in. In our days, uh, it may be something like learning social cues or manners or things to say. Uh, these are all things that doesn't come from within. It may develop more once it's implanted inside of you, but in the, in the, the baseline, the, ba the base of wisdom doesn't come from within. You have to be taught wisdom. Notice that in verse 2, it also says, it has these three things, righteousness, justice, and equity. Righteousness is the character and nature of our God. God made a world in such a way that it's hard for you to live foolishly. If you live in sin, if you live unwisely, then you will be in pain. If you live according to God's design, then things will generally go well for you. God made the world in conforming with his own nature. Every decision then is either something that is siding with God or sinning against God. This word here, justice, it's more than just morally right and wrong, though it has some components. Uh, justice is more about knowing uh, what's going on and knowing how to act. Proverbs makes you know how to make good decisions. Um, a mature believer endures under the weight of temptation, and a mature believer knows the right thing to do when the opportunity calls for it. Um, you want to learn from this book, and you want to integrate it into your heart so that things in this book become second nature. I said two weeks ago that um, for a challenge for a Bible study, uh, we should try to read uh, the book of Proverbs uh, one chapter every single day. Uh, so by the end of the series, in theory, you should have maybe about finished Proverbs about four times. And you could keep going. And, and the more you read it, the more uh, Proverbs become second nature to you. And that's what you want. You want to be able to know Proverbs enough so that when situations come, you don't have to go and call all your friends and say, hey, what's the right decision here? 
No, because if you understand God's word and you hide it in your own heart, then you will not fall into sin. If there is an opportunity to sin or do something foolish, Proverbs will guard you from it. That's what you want. You want to be able to know God's word so well that it becomes second nature. Yes, in the beginning, you are taught these things, but over time, you want it to be so ingrained in your DNA that your natural reflex is to do what's pleasing to the Lord. Notice this word equity at the end of verse three. This, is, this just basically means integrity, which means that you are who you are, both on the inside and out. Um, Proverbs chapter 20, verse six. Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy man? Proverbs 21, verse 8. The way of the guilty man is crooked, but as for the pure, his conduct is upright. Someone who has this, this uh, integrity is both the same inside and out, and when people are around and when they're not. There's someone that lives out what they believe. Again, this takes time to develop, but a wise Christian understand at least that to be on the right path, you need to, to, to know God's word. You need to be able to <clears throat> be taught these things. Things you know are evident in your personal thought life and your actions. You need to devote your life in studying God's word. Now, is this you? Are you this way before both believers and non-Christians? Uh, are you, or are you different? If you lack integrity, then you really have one or two options. You either repent and live according to scripture, or you keep your hypocrisy, and your life will eventually just become a, a time bomb for apostasy, because eventually you'll just give in to your sin. So therefore, you need to ask yourself, are you living a righteous life? Are you living a life that's, that's an equity, that's, that's, that's with integrity? Verse 4, Proverbs, uh, again, to continue on, Psalm says to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and this certain discretion uh prudence means tactics that leads to success a person doesn't know stuff can eventually get to the point where they know how uh know stuff in life so that they can succeed in life again you must uh, start by knowing and acknowledging how little you know about life in order to learn more about life uh, i took this weird workshop in college once where it's supposed to teach you how to understand the brain so that you can know how to think and memorize things and uh this class was really it's not really a class against like elective my professor decided to do this extra class you know outside of office hours and stuff and um he explained the brain itself can only hold a certain amount and everyone has a certain limit but you're you can uh, through just being creative create extra neuron neurons that connect to one another uh so you can have the impression of of intelligence even though your brain is not able to hold as much as other people Basically, his point in this whole little workshop here is that you need to fake it till you make it. And I, I remember asking him, like, well, some people, no matter how much you fake, you can't make it, man. Like, this, like, do you not watch American Idol? Some people just can't make it. And he, he was just like, didn't care what I said. It's like, no, no, you, everyone can make it. It's like, oh, man, this, class, this guy is whack. Um, but, but again, uh, a person that, uh, that wants to develop and grow their knowledge it's not so much about intellect, but how to operate based on God's word. Notice that at the end of verse four, it says, uh, to the youth, knowledge and discretion. Um, this is for young people to get more knowledge and discretion. And discretion is, is another way to know when, when and how to do the right thing at the right time. Uh, you see trouble ahead of you and you know how to avoid it. 
uh, you see the warning signs and say, okay, I'm not going to go there. Um, you have enough discretion to know that these are uh, there are things that you should not do or should not go to or should not, or people that you shouldn't be with. That's what discretion means. Wisdom allows you to know what's the best for your life and what's actually dangerous. Verse five, a wise man will hear and increase in learning and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Uh, this means that this book is not simply for young people. Um, although Solomon is speaking to his son, he's actually really old. Or like, uh, he's actually old, like they're both pretty old. Um, but Proverbs is unique as that it doesn't, it's not only for young, like <clears throat> young people in age. Uh, it's designed for everyone of all ages and it forces everyone to be in the same category to keep growing. Uh, the only end um, in the pursuit of wisdom is death. <clears throat> but while we're still living in this life, you must always be a pursuer of, of wisdom. We all need to grow in our, <clears throat> in our knowledge of God's word. Humility allows us to keep growing no matter what, we, what age we're in. Fools learn for a season. They may have these like, um, you know, they might go to a conference, they might grow for a little bit and it just kind of stuck and they're, they're kind of stuck there. They're kind of like stuck in like a time warp. Um, that's because they just stopped learning. Even at the end of Paul's life in 2 Timothy 4, he asked Timothy to bring him books um, to, to, so he can read. So he, you know, Paul understood that he needs to continue to grow in his knowledge. Now, one application for us is and in order to grow knowledge is to find someone older than you to pour into you. Find someone older in the faith who's, who's lived the faith long enough, longer than you have and ask them humbly to teach you. And, and by that, I mean, like, really, when they're telling you something that, that you need to work on, you actually apply it. You need to go uh, and, 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 and realize that there are areas in your life where you need to grow in. Um, and at the same time, there should be you should be able to pour into someone else as well. You've, um, now, don't walk up to some, someone that you think is immature and say, I think you're immature. Let me pour into you my wealth of wisdom. No, don't, don't do that. Uh, use discretion, right? That's what discretion here means. If you're wise, if you truly are a wise Christian and mature believer, people that desires wisdom will seek after you. But if you're a fool, you will uh, believe you'll have it all together and you won't really care about seeking discipleship. That's what we've been trying to do in our church. We want to create a culture of discipleship. We want to sharpen one another. <clears throat> and how you do that is by one way is to ask people older in the faith and at the same time pour out into uh, people younger in the faith. And you know, in our group here at Join Airs, there's like a wide range of people, the different life stages. Um, ask to, uh, to hang out or go on Zoom or something just to get to know them and pick their brains. Uh, you don't have to agree with everything that they say, but at least understand how people think. In my life, <clears throat> I, I, I often do that. I often ask the same questions to different people, not to get the, the like, uh, answer that's, that, that, that tickles my ear, but I sometimes like to hear so I can know how they process things. So that, okay, this is a way to process it in this type of scenario or this person process things in a different scenario. It allows me to learn how to think. That's what we need. We need to constantly have people in our life that pours into us and younger people that we can pour into to, to pass on the things that we know. Use, uh, use the resources that we have in this life or this, even the discussion groups that, we'll, that we do. Uh, we're gonna break it up between uh, gender specific and you know, get to know the people there. Um, even the youngest believer there can be an encouragement to you. Don't think that, oh, just because this person was saved like for a few years, I've saved for uh, way more than them, that I can't learn anything from them. 
no, that's just as foolish as someone who says, like, okay, I've got it all together. Be humble all the time. Uh, that's that's part of the, that's the fruit of the spirit. Um, I, I mean, that's, that's, that's what it means to be Christ-like. That's in the Beatitudes. You know, we need to be humble in that way. Um, in the in the discussion groups that we have, it's it's an opportunity for all of us to sharpen one another and to pour in and out and be poured into by other people. We have a a, a whole bunch of people in our church and, and even in this fellowship that will that can be a resource to you. Take advantage of it. Another category of people that we can learn from is your own parents. Uh, Solomon is trying to teach his own son, but his son fails to listen to him and he wrecks his own life. Now, I wonder if that is some of you here today. Sometimes your parents are actually saying to you that if anyone else have heard it, well, they'll, they'll think it's gold. But in your eyes, you think your parents' advice is just fool's gold. It's not really that great. Now, a humble person must be willing to learn that some, sometimes great wisdom and life lesson can come from all places, and that includes your parents. Even for us to have non-believing parents, most parents have a baseline love for their kids. And sometimes what they say is actually good for you. Um, you must always seek to learn more so you know how to function in this world. The world constantly changes and a wise person knows how to keep refreshing the biblical principles to adapt to the world. This word, this word acquire here, at the end of verse five, it's this idea of grasping something. It's an active word. You don't passively learn things. You have to be an active learner of God's word. You, no, no matter how old you are, you'll find out there's always something new or some new way to apply God's word. The, the theology will get deeper, and the way that you apply it will also become, uh, um, like, you have more opportunity to see how you can apply it. That means that God's word has infinite amount of possibility for us to apply it. There is one singular truth. But the way that the deeper we dive into God's word, the more we know how to apply it in different situations. A wise person will always keep learning God's word. Don't ever lose that childlike wonder for the word of God. You know, when we think about doctrines that we're so familiar with, uh, there's a tendency for us to think, oh, I've heard of that. I've heard hundreds of sermons on it. I totally understand God's sovereignty. Or I, I understand the, the hypostatic union. Or I totally understand uh uh all of the eschatology things you know or understand the holy spirit and and the eternal generation all, all of these things in the trinity it's like no you keep learning you keep growing and the more that you know in god's word the more you'll mature as well look at verse six to understand a proverb and a figure the words of the wise and their riddles that means that the more you learn the more you're able to understand what when people are talking to you uh, there's a compounding effect when we learn other subjects become uh, more, makes more sense once we learn more. You can solve more problems in your life because you are wise. Uh, wisdom gives you more tools to fix your life's problem. Um, this word riddle here this is the idea of it, like an enigma. Back then, I, I remember actually last year when we went through the book of Judges, uh, Solomon gave a riddle uh, to, his, to his in-laws and their family. And uh, riddles often ways for people to test how much you know. It's, it's, a, it's like, I guess our time would be like the SAT kind of exam. It's, it's, it's just a way for us to, it's a challenge. In a lot of ways to brag and see how, how much you know. Um, but for us, when, uh, a riddle, when it comes up, it just means that we can, we look at something, uh, we see something that is complex, and we know, just like the, to the, the toy transformers, that it's more than what meets the eye. 
a wise person can discern complicated issues. There are people that see beyond the obvious. Now, doesn't that sound cool? Like all of a sudden, say like you can discern the riddles and um, you can be prudence. You can be you can have discretion in life. Uh, that sounds cool to have, right? To to have all these things. Um, and this is really all. This is really set to this in verse seven. That if you want this, if you truly want this, the very basic thing you do is that you need to fear the Lord, which gets to our third and last point, the greatest command of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter one, verse seven. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. This entire book can be summed up in this one verse. It all begins here and it hinges on this one truth. That if you want to be wise, you must fear the Lord. If you want knowledge, you must fear the Lord. And if you don't fear the Lord, you cannot have biblical wisdom. You cannot be mature. You cannot be godly. In a sense, only Christians can truly be wise and mature. So if you reject the Bible, it's foolishness. It's morally foolishness. Um, the world can be smart, but they can never be wise according to scripture because they don't fear the Lord. This isn't about how much you know or how little you know, rather how you operate and having the ability to act, uh, having the ability to know what right and wrong is. You know the movie Cars? That end was an old movie. Uh, but the very first Cars movie, there was a scene towards the beginning where Lightning McQueen was in the truck and he was sleeping, and then the, guy, the truck that was holding him like, I guess he like bumped on the road and he like, the truck opened and he fell out of the car. You remember this was, this was like, it was at night. So when Lightning McQueen fell out of the truck, uh, he was unable to find his way back because he realized that he actually doesn't have headlights. The little lights that there are just stickers. Um, and then he gets lost in some weird car hick town. And um, later he, get, he gets, in, you know, he has these lights and he's able to drive at night. Um, a smart person that doesn't fear Lord is like Lightning McQueen in the beginning. Uh, they can go really fast, but when the night comes, when they're lost, especially at night, they have no idea where they're going and it leads to stream. Wisdom is having those headlights. Wisdom is having those headlights. You may be slow, but at least you know where you're going and you can, uh, and you can go both day and night and, and, and in every circumstance. You know how to avoid potholes. You know how to not drive off the road. That's what wisdom allows you to do. You can see clearly in how to function in all circumstances. But it all begins with the fear of the Lord who will open your eyes of faith so that you have the light in you so then you will know where to go. All things in this world is not good because of sin. And wisdom allows you to discern what's actually good that will both protect you and honor the Lord. Everyone must have a new beginning if they are to begin this quest of wisdom. If you don't have this, you will always be a fool. Fearing the Lord is both a doorway and the pathway to wisdom. Um, God, just like how he gave Solomon wisdom, can also give you and I wisdom today. And scripture is that. It tells us what we need to do to grow and to mature. We need to take it, we need to learn it, and we need to apply it to our lives. And as I said earlier, both Solomon and his son had access to Proverbs, and they both failed. Um, how did they fail and, and how can we fail simple if we don't fear God 
everything that we do must be tied to fearing the Lord. If you don't fear God, you'll not seek to practice what you know. If fearing the Lord is not what drives you to go beyond, uh, the fear, fearing the Lord will cause you to, to, to cause you to go beyond learning and applying. My daughter just walked in. Applying God's word, or in particular, in this case, Proverbs, will make you more mature. It'll make you wise. It'll make you... <laughs> so what my daughter did there was totally immature. <laughs> Lack of self-control. She needs to learn how to grow. Immature, and that's what I'm doing. Discipleship here. Okay, applying God's word, or in this particular book of Proverbs, will make you more mature. It will make you wise. It'll make you into a godly adult. And as a king, Solomon wanted his son to fear God so he can lead the people to fear the Lord. And as a father, Solomon wanted his first son. As a pastor, my hope is the same as Solomon in that I want you to first and foremost fear the Lord. You must fear God above everything if you want to be wise. If you fear man, you will act unwisely. If you fear the future, you will live in sin. If you fear anything else outside of God, you will be a fool. Look at the end of verse 7. Fools despise wisdom and instructions. This is a characteristic of a fool. They hate every aspect of learning. Um, they lack discipline. They lack any desire to train their minds. These are people who think that they got it all together, or perhaps even some that know that their life is not together still don't want to repent of it. So why do fools hate this? Why do fools despise wisdom and instructions? Ultimately, they hate living under the parameter of God's word. God orchestrated the world with laws, and he orchestrated the world with uh, specific commands. Um, fools hate wisdom and instruction because it requires repentance, and repentance implies that there is a God that holds you accountable to your actions. Then you need to ask yourself this, is this you? Are you a fool? Uh, does scripture prick you so that you repent, or do you see God as a prick that always attempts to stop you from having fun? Foolish people in the church will eventually leave God in the church. Uh, the cost of repentance in their mind is too high. The things of this world is too alluring, so they reject God and continue um, to live with foolishness. The fool doesn't want to learn because the fool doesn't want, want to worship God and God alone. The fool worships many gods. He has many idols. He, has, he worships sex. He worships money. He worships gossip. He, he worships uh, murder. He worships anger. He worships laziness and every type of sin. You'll see this as we go through the book of Proverbs. You won't uh, go far in your walk with Christ if you don't listen to God's word and apply it to your life. Proverbs tells us that there is blessing in obedience. Life, again, will generally turn out good for you. Those that want to be wise must enter through this door. Fools think that uh, they are too good for wisdom. Fools think they're too busy to learn wisdom or that they think that they're too smart for wisdom. All of these are lame excuses. In the end, they don't want to, uh, they don't want wisdom because they don't want God. Fearing the Lord makes us acknowledge that we are being measured by God and by God's word alone. Uh, we don't learn wisdom to only uh, inspect the world, rather it makes us inspect our own hearts by God's standard. Um, wisdom is always beyond us. It is outside of us. We are all born foolish, but we can only acquire wisdom through the fear of the Lord. Rene Descartes has this famous writing called The Discourse of the Mind, and he tried to find meaning by stripping away everything in his life. Okay, but 
uh, I look at the, uh, my job, I, if I lose that, can I still find meaning? I look at my family, I lose that, can I still find meaning? I look at the, all the pleasures, I lose that, can I still find meaning? And at the very end, he's only left with himself. And he, has, he said that, very, that one very famous line, I think, therefore I am. Uh, and the, the reality is that the, the, the self, your own self, is actually a poor standard of certainty, truth, maturity, and wisdom. Proverbs chapter one, verse seven, flips uh, Descartes' phrase and tells you that you need to not think, therefore I am, but rather you need to fear the great I am. Our journey to growth must start here. And if you lose this, you'll lose more than just wisdom, but you'll lose your own soul. Believe this and, and live by this, live by the, under the fear of the Lord, and you uh, will begin to be filled with many blessings that ultimately lead you to lead you face to face with a God of all wisdom. And that's what I hope to do with the book of Proverbs. Again, this is the intro and, and um, the hope is that we, that, we, that we fear the Lord. Again, this begins here because if you don't fear the Lord, then every other Friday message you hear will make no sense to you. You must start with this basic understanding that you need Christ. That you are separated from the Lord because of your own sin and because of your own foolishness. The only way for you to be made right with the Lord is through the wisdom of God how, uh, by, through, when he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. If you place your faith in him, they died and rose again, that's where you begin to have wisdom. That's when you begin to have true knowledge. So if that is you, I would encourage you first and foremost to fear the Lord. And for all the rest of us that are believers, you need to continue to fear the Lord. You need to continue to have this reverential awe and love for him. And it's only through this, through this fearing the Lord, that's when you will grow in your knowledge and wisdom so you can be a mature, godly adult for the Lord. Let's, let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. And this famous chapter of scripture uh, reminds us that we first and foremost need um, to fear you, that without uh, this baseline understanding that we can do nothing, we'll be just simply be people groping in the dark, not finding where we need to go. The Lord, uh, may you soften our hearts to, um, to fearing you. May we be sensitive to the things of your word. Or we want to apply these things to our lives so that you can be glorified. We don't want to just learn things for sake of learning things, but we want to learn things to give you praise and glory. Lord, humble our hearts, uh, allow us to see how little we know uh, so that we can apply it to our lives, Lord. Lord, I pray for the discussion groups and even the, the relationships that we develop in the church, that we learn to sharpen one another, that we have a genuine care for each other because uh, these are eternal things. They have eternal consequences, Lord. Thank you for this time that we have together. Pray these things your son's name. Amen.